Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Wednesday morning. I guess it's Shushan Purim. <coughs> no. <laughs> now that Purim is more or less <coughs> behind me. Um, <coughs> you can hear it's more or less. Um, but I want to uh, continue along the lines. I got into this business of the going and gossip. Because I don't think people usually are familiar with such sources. And it gives you a little bit of a idea of what life was like a thousand years ago. Before there existed Ashkenazim, before there existed Sephard, when you had something called the Minig above Elf, and uh, I think parts of it are interesting and surprising. And so I'm going to continue. I want to say another piece from uh, Nosan Ababi, Nathan of Baghdad in 10th century, where he describes the uh, formal ceremony. You see in Bavel, they have a certain yekishness, a very formal kind of approach, or Sephardic, I might say. Um, in prayers and in uh, public rituals, and very protocol-oriented. This is probably due to the uh, Oriental influence, the Persian influence on the Abbasid state, if you want to get technical, in the uh, 8900s. Uh, remember, the Arabs had conquered the Iranians, but uh, you know the Iranians left a great uh, impact on the Arabs, at least in the uh, Abbasid Caliphate. But before I proceed, I want to say this is today's being sponsored by good friends, the Pollocks. Paul and Kathy Pock, this is an honor of, uh, he sent it last week, is an honor of Kathy being back at work, which uh, she hurt her leg, I hurt my heart. I'm glad both of us are getting back little by little uh, to business, and I hope both she and I will continue to have a foolish lame on me. Uh, and now we'll get down to what he calls Seder Ismanus Reish Galusa. As we saw, this is a society in Babylonia. It's not like today. Today, Orthodox Judaism is you know, actually characterized by complete lack of any kind of framework. And every group does its own thing. And if anything, we're into cell division. Every big show breaks into small minions. Uh, every large yeshiva breaks into break a lot of breakaways. How many yeshivas, for example, are there in Lakewood? I can't even count. You know what I mean? It's getting like that in Baltimore also. And how many little shoals and minions and things? It's it's the way it is. Uh, but it wasn't like that once upon a time, especially in Bubble, the idea was more in the nature of Robam Hadris Melech, and the idea of a pyramid, uh, which would definitely knock over in America, and that is that there's some guys at the top and there's the rest of us along the way towards the bottom. And in Bavel, as we've kind of seen, the top was composed of three honorific posts and then the Richie Riches. Um, the Zeresh Galusa, who's supposed to be the civil head of the Jews in some amorphous fashion, and then there are the two heads of the yeshivas, the Sur and Pumadisa. Those are the Gaonim. And those are not simply Rosh Yeshiva jobs. They're formal positions. And they are acknowledged as the leaders of the empire even, but certainly the community in Baghdad and in Bavil in general. And this is demonstrated by the fact that they got tax money from the Jews. You see, I'll say it again. Tax money from the Jews. He's got a whole chapter here of how the Jewish IRS operated. I just don't want to go into that because I think that might be boring to some people, although some people would find it interesting. But rather, I want to talk today 
about the ceremonial side, which I think will be surprising because you see a thousand years ago, they had choirs and synagogues and things like this, things we associate with the Yekis or with a reformer conservative or with a Western type of orthodoxy. Uh, not true. Uh, not necessarily. So listen to this. He wants to know, how you how, how do you appoint a Reish Galusha? Because we talked last time about the fact that they appointed the Sadiqon to Gon, and then when the Reish Galusha died, Sadiqon Gon had a say in who becomes the Reish Galusha, and that's how it usually went. With the politics and the fighting and everything. And he says, and I'm reading the original, this is the only source we really have in any kind of narrative fashion, at least that I'm aware of, of these sorts of things. And he says, in his schema das, I call him anoso. So first you had to have a consensus. A guy can't simply say, my father was Rish Galusa, therefore automatically I am. What if you're not popular? Tough luck. No such thing as tough luck when the Jews did not have a state and an army. So it's got to be a consensus. So whenever you see anybody with a Rish Galusa, it had to be at least a basic dasa kahal. Now, to be perfectly honest, the dasa kahal meant the elites. So the elites have to agree that this guy should be the next Rish Galusa. But when that happens, and therefore you see a, a process of a negotiation, let's say a, an exilarch, a Reish Galusa, died. <coughs> and let's say for argument's sake, he had four sons. Uh, and the, So who takes over? Do you go by the oldest? What if the oldest is a jerk and number two or three is the smart one? You know, like, how does it work? And so an informal process of a consultation negotiation had to take place among the elites. The Hamonam... The masses out there are much less so. If somebody was completely unpopular with the masses, the elites would take that into account who should be appointed the next leader. But there has to be some leader, they felt. As long as you get a general consensus among the elites, So then they would have sort of like you would today would say the election ceremony, which would be held in the house of one of the richies, okay? And it was Adam Godoshev above all. That means rich. Migadoli Ador, that means rich. Kagon Natirim, Kol Rasha called, there was a famous millionaire in Natiro, talk about later. And, uh, and that's a very big prestige item that the election should take place in your home. Like we say today, a fancy schmancy parlor meeting, you know, something like that with some very big uh, gedolim there, uh, that sort of business, right? Uh, it was, uh, by the way, it's got to be a millionaire's house because he's the only one that has a big house, can serve refreshments and all the rest of it. It's a big covered, and he constantly st- stresses covered, covered with a big deal. Now, it always is, except today we kind of deny it. You know, the guy's like, it's me, I'm not looking for covered. Which is a lie, but you know, people, that's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to say. In Bavel, it wasn't like that. It's a chvilda covered, you know, I want to covered. And so, um, Miskabsen basically a chamishi. And once that happens, I guess the, the informal election is made, then you get together on Thursday in the synagogue, Mavarkan or so, and um, what do you call it? And the new guy, they make a bracha for him, Venosan Yad Olav, and everybody. You know, puts their hand on him. It's like a formal ordaining, like a ceremony, even though there's no such thing like that. But token, but chauffeur, Lashmiya called me cotton by to make the public announcement we now have a new Reish Galusa. 
Shomen Adover, and when everybody hears this, then it's like a Hasidic Rebbe. Everybody sends them money. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? In other words, let's put it this way. The way you demonstrate your uh, acknowledgement that this guy is the head of you, the Reish Galusa, is by sending him a gift. A rich guy sends a bigger gift, a poor guy sends a smaller gift, even if you send a penny or two, but you acknowledge. This is an early, you know, predecessor of the Hasidic concept. You know, I acknowledge who you are by giving you money. And all the richies send them uh, fancy clothes, that's a big deal over there. So he gets high-end, uh, you know, uh, uh, clothing and uh, furniture and china and things like that. Uh, assuming he doesn't have it already, I guess. And they have like a fancy schmancy seuda on Thursday and on Friday with all kind of high-end foods. This is like a public, uh, you know, sort of ceremony. Isn't it interesting? So it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Saturday morning you go to Shul. This is the main Shul in Baghdad. All the elite figures get together to walk into Shul. Okay? And and they've already prepared in the synagogue a special place, a Migdal 8. Right? You know, Migdal 8. So that was a, a wooden tower. That is to say, a, a raised platform. Like you see, for example, in... in uh, let me put it this way. You've been in Sfat where you see the uh, Bima is high up, right? Like in that Rizal Shul, I think, or whoever it is, the Yosef Kair, I forget. Well, and this is a much larger synagogue. So in addition to the bima where they where they do the laning and all that, there's being a special bima like a migdal eights for the Reish Galusa, because he's not going to sit with everybody else. He's going to sit on a throne in the synagogue. You see, Archosayim Rokmevus three by seven, and Opartel Begun in Noim. Excuse me. Opartel Begun in Noim in a Meshi Tchelus Menagam Tlasheni, and they what he called. Uh, cover the whole thing up with uh, fancy clothes of silk, I mean, uh, you know, garments and, uh, what's the better word, fabrics of all sorts. You can't see when Now here comes the interesting thing. And then they get a whole bunch of senior bachers from the yeshiva because they can sing. They're going to be the choir. Bachur batikim, older guys, bale kol balin ima, who have musical talent. So they're going to be a major part of the synagogue service on the day, this Shabbos, where the exilarch is being inducted into office. Okay? Bachurim Vatikim, Bali Kol, Bali Ima, Bakolam Arev, Obekim Betfil Chanyanel. They're going to be a choir, like having the great synagogue in Jerusalem today, for example. Vrush Golos Atzma Yeh Machusa Begmakam in Rosh Hashivas, and a VIP section of the three. Honorific leaders, the Rish Galusa, and the head of Sur and the head of Pumadisa, and they're going to be sitting in sort of like a secluded spot in the synagogue until the right moment, as we shall see. And uh, the Migdal, which is this big structure, you know, not uh, is sort of hollow at the bottom, and the choir will be underneath the Migdal. Isn't that interesting? And now he tells you. Like we say, like they say in England, the order of service. Okay, 
How did they have, this is Shabbos morning, how do you have the choir? How does it work? <coughs> and it sounds like a modern type thing, but of course it's a thousand years ago. And I, may I point out, these are the frumas that are from, these are the gonim here. So he says, Chazak Mascha Babar Shamar, Babar Monim Achrav Al Koldavar Baruch Shamar, Baruch Hu. Baruch Shamar, Baruch Hu. Baruch Omer Vyoser, Baruch Hu. You know, Baruch Goza Makayim, Baruch Hu. You know, like that, like a chorus. Shamar Mizra Shilayim Ashabas, and when he gets later on, Unmachav Tov Lodos Hashem. So, you Tov Lodos Hashem, meaning they, they made a, a full musical out of it. But Karn Kolaam Keechad. Pesukah Zimra, Ashigomer Musam, and everybody reads out loud Pesukah Zimra, which does Sefaradim do today? For Omin Achazam Pasech Menishmas Kolchai, Ba'Bacharim Omin Alrech Nishmas Kolchai Tivorech Eshimcho. You know they they sing that part. Chulam Erdaver, Ba'Bacharim Achrov Ashamigil Kedusha, and for the rest of the davening, he said the Chazan says it out loud, and every time he says it out loud, the choir repeats after him. No, it's not a, a repeating. You understand? No, he said like this. All right, see, he said that part. Now they can go after him and say, I mean, they didn't do anything wrong. That's They haven't davened yet. You know what I mean? They're not, there's no repeating going on over here, is what I'm saying. Um, you know, that style where you say the first three brachas of the Kedusha. And Mamish is like a choir. The people say it. You know, quietly, and and the choir sings it. The kol rom, until a certain point where the choir stops and the chazan does it on his own, exactly like we have it nowadays. In those kinds of shuls, and you know, like they do now, kedusha with the choir, except that. They uh, they made Baruch Hashem Moyela Kadosh and 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 uh, what do you call it and the Chazan does Mashal Matfil Vyoshen Kol Kol everybody sits down uh, because I guess he means the Chazar the shots but it's also possible you know the Maimonides way the the Sephardic way which is you do the first three brachas and all that sounds like sounds to me like the other one like the Chazar the shots okay Shiyoshen Kol Kol Yosef Rishkul Malkam Shem Chusaba so. At that point, after they finish Kedusha, this is all ceremonial. At that point, the Reish Galusa, who's been in a covered, secluded section, emerges out of that section in the davening. And everybody sees him emerge, and the whole shul stands up in his honor. And he walks ceremoniously to the Migdal, right? The big platform that they made for him in the shul. And he's followed by the two Gaonim, the Rosh Hashiva Sur, who's the senior one. Also sits there, So the Rosh Hashiva Sura bows down ceremoniously to the new Rosh Galusa to show that he's the Rosh Galusa. And then they sit down, and then the Rosh Galusa bowed down towards him. Look how oriental, look how ceremonious the whole business is. Who acknowledges who? Who bows down to who? At what point in the davening they do this? This is Mamish Babylonian. You get it? We certainly, it's the reverse of what they call yeshivish today. Um, and then the same thing happens with the other one, with the other gone from Pumbadisa. 
and they end up sitting in a certain spot on the Migdal, above everybody else, the Reish Galus in the middle, Suro on the right, Spombadis on the left, that's how the pecking order goes. And everybody was standing until the three of them take their seats. That's what I just said. And, it's, and, and they're not sitting adjacent to each other, but, you know, with a few, uh, with some, um, you know, with some spare space to go in between them to show that the Reish Galus is like a little throne. And then they put like a certain chup on top. Fancy garments. Like like from Achashverosh, Achuz b'chavli boots ragamon, v'chazana knesset machnis rosha b'sedino b'fnei amigdal, and the chazana knesset, which I'm not sure what that means. It doesn't mean the chazan like today. I think uh, he's one of the gonic officials. He he, he puts the talus on his head b'fnei amigdal, also b'brachas musikanos, and he gives him certain brachas that we don't have today. That you know sheskinim esmo shulsham, which means. That it's not a bracha to Hashem. He gives them blessings, like we say, "Hey, may you have a long life and may you be successful," and that sort of thing, but not out loud. But only the only ones who can hear those brachas are the ones uh, right near where he's talking. So he'll say, "I hope you have a long life, Amen, and I hope you will be matzliach, Amen," like that. The choir. So the people outside, in the shul, I mean, all they hear is the Amen over and over again. Uh, so it's an impressive, you know, uh, a ceremony. And everybody's quiet until he finishes. And then the Rish is expected. He gets up. And he gives a little sermon. So Rish is supposed to know a little bit, talk at least about the Parsha of the week. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe the Reish Galus doesn't know that much. In which case, he will invite the Rosh Hashim of Surah to give a little sermon. Rosh Hashim of Surah knows in Rosh Pumadisa. And this is, this is a public ceremony, so you have to do Alphonse and Gaston, you know. The Rosh Hashim A will then say to Rosh Hashim B, no, you go first. And the and Rosh Hashim B say, no, no, I insist you go first, like that. So in other words, the head of Surah is the one who's going to give the sermon in the end. But first they do this business of you first, no, you first, you first, and you first. And the whole idea is to um, is to get across to everybody. It's a good thing uh, that the Talmud Chacham treat each other with respect. That's what they want to get at. And uh, besides all the re- besides the idea of, of respect being a good thing, the Yeshivas have to show a united front in front of the Balabat, and that's what it is. Because they're getting the money from them. You understand? So if they're fighting each other, it's going to be like, you know, some Hasidic group where two brothers and Rebbes are fighting each other. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. You know what I mean? So they were careful not to have that, not, not to have that in public. Um, and this is the old days where you have Maturgaman. So you know what that means. The Rosh Hashiva may, for example, give a little drasha, you know, so, I don't know, a pilpal or something like that. And then they have a maturgam like Rabbi Friend, and he'll turn into a whole speech, in a loud voice and in a in, a, in an interesting way. Uh, and when the Rosh Hashiva of Sura uh, speaks, 
he speaks, ooh, you know, you know what I mean, very serious. Besosim is enov. And his oldest shtick where he closes his eyes. This is, you know, the public drama. Mesata Pataliso, he covers this part of his face, you know, so he shouldn't see the oilam. He's like, you know, giving him a, you know, for dramatic effect. I love this. And then he's like, yes, and meanwhile, you could hear a pin drop. At least that's supposed to be that way, right? Nobody says a word. But you and I know there's no such thing like that, not among Jews. So it's a pin drop, unless there isn't. <laughs> if somebody does open his mouth to start talk, then the Rashi Surah gives them the eye. You know, in other words, until now his eye was closed. Eyes were closed. But if he hears talking in the back, he opens the eyes. And it's supposed to be, ooh, everybody gets scared. Me, myself, and I, I wonder if that's true, but, you know, it sounds good. And then, when he finishes the little drasha, then he does a, what we call today a little halachic discourse. Those who are Bram Sri Chasilamelov, anybody who's familiar with the Shiltus Rabachoi, which is one of the famous Gaonic books, which was written two centuries before this, they knew that that is a formula that introduces a halachic discussion. From the Parsha, we have a, a, a question that we can ask. You know, Pesach is coming up, what if you have, I don't know, you know what I mean, because uh, there's a blind person do bedik, I don't know, whatever. You know, and then we have a little of that. And it's a formal thing. So the guy said, you see, the whole idea is to impress the Balabatim. And so the Rashiva says, what happens is a blind person make a badika, and then a certain zokain, meaning a senior member of the yeshiva, like we would say today, a senior kolo guy, he gets up and gives the answer. So it's all formulaic, you understand? And meanwhile, the people are watching this, ooh, 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 you know, very impressive. And after that, the chazan says, so this is something they used to do, which is that, you know, which means we hope the Mashiach will come very quickly in our lifetime. Or I'm the Chazan saying in your lifetime. But since he's now the Reish Kalusha, so he said, I hope he comes in the lifetime and the, and the lifetime of the Reish Kalusha. Um, somebody, some of you will possibly recall um, the famous letter by the Ramban during the Maimonidean controversy um, when the Ramban was responding to the criticism of Maimonides by the Tosafists, Bali Tosas, who were like these real frummies. And the Ramban, who certainly wasn't super from, says, do not criticize the Ramban. Even though I myself, the Ramban, said don't agree with a lot of his stuff, but do not criticize the Ramban because the man did amazing things for Yiddishkeit, and in Yemen, he says, they still say, You see? In other words, in that culture, one of the highest uh, praises or covets you can give is to include the guy's name in the Kaddish. So it means that during the lifetime of a Rish Galusa, you know, they would, they would actually say his name. So he become part of the davening. And there's nothing wrong with that in the sense that you're just expressing a fond, pious wish. 
that uh, the machine should come now. Suppose I told you, I don't know, uh, uh, who's a big, uh, some big guttle today, you know? So suppose I told you that, um, you know, they're going to say in the davening in Israel, yeshivas, b'chai yichon, b'chai b'chai the rosh yeshiva the mir, or, you know, rosh yeshiva the, 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 the Chaim Berlin or something. That's okay, nothing wrong with that. It's a pious way. You know, let, let's put it this way. Do you disagree with that? Why not? I hope the Bashir comes during his lifetime. I hope it comes in my lifetime. You know, nothing wrong with that. So that's a high honorific. Uh, they would give a special bracha for him at the end. And then, So you see, the prayer service itself is this Shabbos is organized around the honorifics. And then they get down, I love this, to Tachlis. Uh, you know, Tachlis. They say, and by the way, um, here are the pledges <laughs> to support these three people the Yeshiva Surah, the Yeshiva Pompadis, and, and the Reish Galus operation. Medina plunges the Pompadis. So, to use American terminology, Maryland promises. Five million bucks, you know. Jersey promises ten million dollars. Virginia promises seven million dollars, like that. They would announce it publicly. Okay, and they yeshiva some. So therefore, they say, you know, uh, Delaware is going to contribute six million dollars, and we give a special mishabeirach the Medina's Delaware and so forth. And then they give publicly uh, a public mishaberach uh, for the wealthy guys that are going to contribute on their own uh, money. So, after Shimon Esrei, and after they have the speech, then they have the what we call the brachas for the nedavas. You understand? For the nedavas. And then, now by the way, if you're following this, you'll see something of the beginnings of Simchas Torah, which is a Gaonic institution emerging out of this culture that I'm describing. And it gets even more because then they have Kriyasa Torah. This is Saturday, remember? Uh, and they call Kohen Levi. And then, and, and, and the Chazan uh, ceremoniously hands the Sefer uh, Torah to the Reish Galus, and everybody stands up. You know, it's the idea of giving them covet. Then the Reish Galus does, is about Koryashtikol. And so the public sees the Reish Galus is doing the laning. The, the, the two Rosh Hashivas are the Gaboyim, standing on the right side and left side of him. And in those days, they still have Metorgamans. So the Reish Galusa reads a Pasuk, and then the Rosh Hashiva Surah gives the Targum, you know, gives a little speech, and then they return it ceremoniously back to the to the uh, Ark. And then they sit down, and then everybody else is around to sit down. What about uh, the other Elias? Korin Rosh Kalas, Viach Talmid Rosh Hashivas. So then, they, I guess they take the Torah out again, and they and they do the other uh, you know five aliyahs or something like that for senior scholars. 
of Rosh Hashivas, and he comes with Torah, but Siyam Akher. But the Rosh Hashivas, if you notice, never get an Aliyah. Why? Because, my friends, since they didn't get the first two, they don't get nothing. <laughs> you follow? In those days, the Talmud Chacham goes first, even for a Kohen and Levi, uh, whatever the Talmudic laws are, and actually the laws actually conform to that. And if and if I don't get the Rishon, then I don't get any. You see? And then there's a, a for the half Torah that maturgum is some rich guy, which is a big covet. And then when they finish, Yosef Baruch goes to save for Torah to give them, make a mishabach for the Reish Kalusa. And they form another choir to say Amen. You know, like we do today, for example. For Bar Mitzvah, Ya Amon, you know, so they did that kind of thing. He said, Oh, Amen. And then, they give him a special bracha for the two Rosh Hashivas, and then they return to Torah and they do Musaf. Okay? So you see, the entire davening that Saturday morning was in, in the closest thing you would come among Jews to a coronation. Uh, they couldn't, they didn't, didn't have an actual coronation, but this public ceremony of showing deference and covered in a very public fashion in the synagogue, that's the coronation of the Reish Galusis, at least in the 10th century. In other words, I just gave you an eyewitness account. And then when they leave Shul, they're accompanied by everybody. And they do that's what we do nowadays. Or Zoru Allah Tzadi, right? Or Yamim Ayimei Melech Tosu, the equivalent of that. Okay, he's a Rosh Kolusa. Our Rosh Hashivas ain't holchin about Beso, but the Rosh Hashivas don't follow him to the house. No, let's put it this way: they have their covet. You see, they're not really machnia to him. They are ceremoniously, you know, uh, acknowledging him, but they're their own source of power. You see, but and all the people that um, uh, what do you call it that uh, accompany him they make sure that he stays now he he, <coughs> he stays in his house and does leave for another seven days and the idea goes like this after that it's beneath the covered of the race Galusa to go to Shul you go to his house and dive by him you see, it's a funny kind of a, a business. And people come to him for davening every day in, in the Shabbos. This, my friends, is an old Jewish institution uh, which expressed itself later in history in the Chashavah Kehillahs in Europe, maybe in the Orient, I don't know, but in Europe, where it's going to sound funny, the Rav of the, you know, the Abbasin of the community doesn't go to Shul. Um, I mean, he can, but rarely, usually not. He is given a special permission to have a minion in his house. Usually he had a yeshiva with a couple boys in it or something like that, but even not. He doesn't go to Shul. I mean, he can go on special occasions if he wants to, but it sounds funny that, you know, if the rabbi would show up in a Shul in Europe, uh, you know, people say this, What's what's today? Why is the rabbi in shul? <laughs> you know, like you understand? Because usually he has a minion in his own house, or the yeshiva would be attached to his house, or something like that. He has a minion in his own house, and they are, you know, um, 
that's the covet, right? That I don't have to go out and dive in. Uh, they come to me. And this is the Reish Galus, after all. He wrote to Allah, Sa'atzer Achav, and if he has any reason, the Reish Galus, to leave his house, to go out in public, he goes out in what we would say today be a Rolls Royce or something like that, you know, in a super fancy carriage. Uh, and he's accompanied by 15 people going behind the carriage. And his own servant, and when his carriage, his chariot, whatever you call it, passes through the street in Baghdad, uh, every Jew who sees him runs to give him Shalom Aleichem and to smile at him and all the rest of it. You see the Hasidic thing is, is, is sort of coming from this. I'm not saying the Hasidic Rebbe's red Nathan of, of Baghdad, but you know, these notions over here, and every Jew that he passes on the street usually goes over to him, give him Shalom Aleichem and you know, bow down to him and they accompany him until next thing you know, he's got 50, 60 people where he's going. So let's say he's going, for example, um, I'll just make this up. Let's say he's going from uh, Brooklyn to Queens. So um, it, it's rare that he goes in the, at all in the street. Uh, but if he does, remember, they have cars going fast. They had, a, you know, a horse and wagon. Uh, a whole group will accompany him, will be following him. They want to show him covet. And the same thing when he leaves and goes back to Brooklyn, he'll have a big following. And wherever he goes, he's always surrounded by a whole bunch of people. And therefore, that way, the Jews, he says, he looked at least. They gave him, they gave him the covet of one of the uh, Gaisha officials. In other words, when you see somebody accompanied by a lot of people, notice we give our own cover to him. That makes him a Kavadika guy. If I go around and I'm accompanied by a whole bunch of people, Mamela, that makes me a hush of a guy. And if he wants to speak to the Caliph, to uh, uh, lobby or something like that on behalf of the Jews, he has it arranged with the uh, people who run the palace to arrange a, a, you know, a, a certain appointment uh, to come in and see the Caliph. And he arranges with the gatekeepers to allow him in. And listen to this. And all the Gaisha officials run around in a um, in an honorific way. You know, they give him a lot of COVID. Why? Because he gives them money. <laughs> so when everybody runs and says, hello, salam, and this, and that, and the other, everybody gets the gold coins. That's why they do it. Uh, he pulls out of his, his wallet and he gives everybody coins and they give him all kind of covet until finally he goes and see the king, etc., etc., etc. So here you have, as I said before, I believe as far as I can think of offhand, this is the only eyewitness account, assuming that it's accurate, there's no way to know, but the, the, the level of detail that he, he provides sounds like it's accurate. Usually, you know, maybe, you know, maybe he uh, fluffs it up a little bit, but... <laughs> Not really. Remember, he said nobody talks, but if anybody does, the guy owns. I mean, that sounds like he really was there. Uh, and the idea of a choir and special brachas and, you know, announce the uh, contributions, all the rest of it, these are features that have survived past the Gonic period, but they're not modernish and they're not from the 19th or 20th century or anything like that. It's not from Hirsch or anything like that. 
I'm talking about a thousand years ago. Uh, anyway, I wanted to give you, like I said before, a flash of insight from the classic chronicles of what at least public life was like back in the time of the Gaonim. Uh, and with that, I wish everybody a happy Shushan Purim. I want to thank the Pollocks again. And like I said before, I'm happy Kathy's back on her feet. And we shall all be back on our feet and operating uh, to the degree possible. Uh, and have a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.